0: Feral Audio.
1: So we were in San Diego And a couple came up to me and said I love your podcast, I love Beyond Yacht Rock I love the Yacht Rock internet show And we recently bought a Roomba through uh, the portal Yeah, yeah. I heard that story mm-hmm. too And what yeah. they were talking about is They went to feralaudio.com And they went, they shopped at Amazon through the Amazon portal And bought a $900 Roomba which means we get nine cents. So yes! if you buy everything on Amazon, yeah. it supports the podcast and all the other Feral Audio artists. <laughs> right. So buy Roombas. And like, all,
2: of, all of Feral Audio will have nine cents to, to share.
1: Whoa. <laughs> Listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> this is old shit, man. Yeah, it sounds With Some good. old music. So uh, this is called A-Rab. That's right, A-Rab by the Sonics a band that was formed in Washington State in 1960. They sound like garbage because how else do you record a band in Washington State in 1960? Like garbage. Despite the unlistable recordings, the raw Sonic style, you like that, yeah. oh, what? Sonic. Music critic term, right, what? Hunter? <laughs> of the Sonics would inspire the creation of rock sounds from punk to grunge to the subset of garage we'll be exploring today. Now, though it ended over six years ago, the decade that started in 2000 and stopped with 2009 has yet to be given an official name. The one still swirling around Webster's toilet seems to be the aughts. And despite what everyone thinks, ought is not a synonym for zero. It's an archaic word meaning anything at all. Because of this, it's linguistically incorrect and only a fool would think it's appropriate for that decade to be called the arts. But in a circuitous kind of way, it has begun to make linguistic sense as we have this unnamed decade that we could call ought Anything at all. See, I always I always thought start... That term the ought inadvertently came from
3: Grandpa Simpson saying archaic things like 19-ought-3 or 19-dickety-two.
2: Yeah, my grandparents used to say ought, too, like 19-ought-3, but also the bullet caliber, 30-ought-6. Yeah,
3: like in the Tom Waits song.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a synonym for zero, or I'm, double zero, more specifically. I'm going
0: gonna, I'm gonna to grandstand here a little bit.
3: I prefer the Nils or the Zips. Yeah, I great punk punk band names. Yeah, thank you. JD, you should probably get on Twitter and do a lot of beefs
1: over people misusing the word ought. I will, because they're all stupid. Ought means anything at all, not zero. And ain't ought a beautiful idea. Anything at all. Given the ability to do ought on this show, we shackle ourselves to arbitrary conditions to aught on a genre, oh I'm sorry, I mean to zero win on a genre. Uh, like Peter Cetera's Girl, it's a hard habit to break, using aught is zero. This yeah. is a wreck, this thing that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can do aught, you know what, fuck it. This is aught garage, let's start the show. This is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. (laughs) We make up genres based on music that already exists, and then we count them down. These genres were created. Listen, this is a great podcast. You guys are very lucky to be listening. Yeah, you're welcome. My name is J.D. Riznar. What's your name, fella, over there? Hi, I'm Hollywood Steve Huey. There he is. And how about this guy? Hey, how are you? I'm David Lyons. And this uh, guy. Hunter. Uh, Guy Fieri's son. Uh, it's Guy, Guy Fieri Jr. Hunter Fietti. Um, so we start because we created the internet show Yacht Rock, and you guys love the genre known as Yacht Rock, we like to throw a bone to the Yacht Rock genre each and every week. And what are we listening to this time, Steve? Uh, it's my turn for the bone throw. Uh, when, uh, when the four of us went down to Comic-Con uh, a couple
3: weekends ago, we stayed on a yacht. We rented a yacht, and we actually slept on it. It was very on-brand for us. And we started our first morning on that yacht, listening to music on a little portable record player that uh, that we hooked up to the yacht speakers. And we played some Pablo Cruz. That's who this is. And when we played that Pablo Cruz, life was well-nigh perfect. So this week's bone throw is Love Will Find a Way. It brings back so many wonderful memories of very recent times. And... Uh, Love will find a way. Tied. What you gonna do? As Pablo Cruz's biggest hit single, sure. peaking at number six.
0: And this is on the World's Away album, right?
3: Yeah. This is on the World's Away album from yeah. 1978. Certifiable yacht rock. That World's Away yeah. album. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and uh, that's why I brought it to the boat.
1: Yep. You br- bring it on the boat. I uh, I had always thought back in the day that Pablo Cruz was in yacht rock because it was just too easy. And songs like this, on the surface, seem like the kind of thing we want to label nyat rock. It's like a little too on the nose. It's sentimental, it's too on the nose, but when you listen to it, there's this great yachty electric piano that's reminiscent of Bob James on the Login' Celebrate Me Home album. What? And there's this phenomenal Steely Dan-esque guitar flourishes, I mean, here's one right here. This is one of those 70s soft rock bands that, even though they seem nyat, you find out, like, they've collaborated with Michael McDonald. They're a very yachty band. Well, they could have easily have been player yeah, mm-hmm, and too. Baby Come Back, but they actually, instead of
0: uh, going on to a soap opera and starring in some amazing movies, they mm-hmm. decided to work with other yacht rock artists. And also, you know, I'll, point, the sound.
3: I'll point out also that Steve and Mike Percaro both appear on Worlds Away, which is the album this yes. song comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me,
2: Pablo Cruz was easily dismissed as an yacht because the most the song that to me defined Pablo Cruz was I Go to Rio, and that sounds a lot more like Copacabana to me than it does. I mean,
3: there's nothing wrong with that. No, but it's... It just it's, makes it not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're no, always sounding like That'd Copacabana, though. Words, yeah, no one's, no,
2: one's taking, no one's taking shots at Copacabana. We can Better all agree not. it's a wonderful no, song, but it's... I think neon. he tangle soon. I think he was kind of taking a shot at Copacabana. I most certainly was not. I think he was. Not. I celebrate Barry Manilow's entire catalog.
1: But but you can't judge Pablo Cruz based on I Go to Rio because... You it's cannot. A, it's a, it's cover. a cover. Peter Allen? Peter Allen. It was yeah. number one in Australia for several weeks. Yeah. And it was actually, uh, the, the Peter Allen version didn't chart in America, but the Pablo Cruz one did. It didn't chart very high, but it did chart. Yeah, um,
2: and you know, that's what I love about this podcast and the bone throws, is I'm able to learn things like that.
1: Like, I thought Pablo Cruz was nyat rock, mm-hmm. now I know better. Sorry, go ahead. There's a song in this album, co-written by Michael McDonald, called You're Out to Lose, that sounds like a Doobie Brothers song, like... I'll listen to this song. Again. Yeah, maybe we're song. not done yet. Um, <laughs> like, it's good. um, get your shit in. So th- yeah, it's a total like "You're Out to Lose" has a total doobie bounce. Um, like, if I were Pat, like it's such a doobie song that if I were like Patrick Simmons and Skunk Baxter, and I found out Michael McDonald gave that song to Pablo Cruz I would beat him up in you the. air. quit the yeah. band? Yeah. Out of the doobies. Out of the doob, you're out of the doobies. That should have been our song. Sh- and we missed out on the Yacht Rock episode. Let's make it. Just kidding. We're not gonna make any more.
3: Another reason it's easy to mistake Pablo Cruz for Yacht Rock is that they don't really rely on a lot of outside help. Like they're a self-contained band yeah. that has mastered the sound and doesn't need a whole lot of help recreating. They they do they do have two Percaros on this album, but the fact that they can do it all by themselves mostly makes them a real rarity in the Yacht Rock multiverse. And you can hear like the, you can hear the Steely Dan influence, but like there's a lot of Motown in this in this song
1: as well. It's like Motown mm. meets Steely Dan. They are not ignoring black people and yes, black exactly, musicians. Exactly. Exactly. You t- you look at this next to frickin' anything by Rupert Holmes mm. or Starlight Vocal Band. It's it's such flat white folk. Yeah. This has so much depth and soul. It's so good, Pablo Cruz. We love you. Welcome to the boat. I'll shout let's shout out the individual members of Pablo Cruz. Right, let's uh, list some people that list I wrote. Yeah, here me we, out. Go. here let's we go. Do let's do it. Yeah. All right.
3: They're from the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Hey, a place. Uh, Keyboardist Corey, I'm going to hopefully pronounce all these right, Corey Larios. It
1: uh, it's Larios. Okay, keep going. And okay. drummer Corey Price. No, Chris. Uh, they, okay, keep going. They went to Precise. Palo
3: Alto High together. That's, Palo Alto. Oh, okay. Tiana, right. And guitarist David Jenkins. Mm, no. Uh, <laughs> originally Originally from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Ooh. Oh, I- Ipsilanti. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you if you don't know Ypsilanti, it's sort of the St. Paul to Ann Arbor's Minneapolis. And uh, David Jenkins, not the last young man from Michigan to head west in search of the smooth, right, fellas? Alright, fellas? Right, 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 fellas? We
1: all did. We all yeah.
3: did. Yeah. Oh, I, you were talking about us.
1: Talking yeah. about. <laughs> talking about all of us. Steve, another fantastic list of names. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you for listening to my list of names. Let's talk about Ot Grudge. That's great. Dick, Dick. This is the Goris from Detroit, hot off
0: the press. It's gonna jump on you, baby, and it's gonna stain your dress. Here it comes
1: So Garage Rock. <laughs> it's gonna stain your dress. I yeah, love that line. It's so good. Garage Rock is defined by a sonic ah, whoop, a sonic rawness indicative of recording in the garage. It was wildly popular in the sixties, likely out of necessity when recording studios were rare. Garage was garage that actually charted gave way to polished studio rock, but then the sound began slowly coming back, finding its way back into the mainstream around the year 2000, thanks in part by a garage punk scene in Detroit, Michigan.
0: Hell yeah. Where the Home rock- of Ypsilanti. Where the Rock and Roll Hall
1: of Fame should be. Yeah, no shit. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, but that garage scene in Michigan had been going strong since the mid-80s. So this band, the Gories was formed in 1986 in Detroit. The difference between just raw, regular punk and garage punk is that the influence of the sonic sound, that surf rock, boogie woogie rock shuffle, (laughs) crap like that. And you'll hear how these sounds influence the 10 aught garage bands. That we have in the countdown today, and I also
3: like to interject that Michigan also was the home of a really strong proto-punk scene that also influenced this alt garage stuff. Bands like the MC Five yeah. and the Stooges, and early, early Bob Seeger. Mm-hmm. That was, was just,
1: that was ages ago. So that yes, they but There's the a 70s. long lineage.
3: There's mm-hmm. a heritage of garage mm-hmm. in Michigan.
1: The, those guys own the 70s. Guys like the Gories owned the 80s, and then at the end of the 90s is when this explosion happened. But we'll talk about that in a minute. So the most important member of the Gories as Mick Collins, and while um, this song kind of skews punk, we'll be hearing uh, from another one of his bands later on, which is more more clearly embraces the '60s aesthetic of art garage. But this song by the Gories is just a great example of like that underground scene that would ferment for about 12 or 15 years before exploding into a worldwide phenomenon.
3: And then there have been garage rock revival bands around since about since punk splintered in the 80s. Like there was a whole wave of these scuzzy garage punk bands around that time. They never had the wider breakouts of uh, a lot of the bigger names in art garage, but they kind of there was always this kind of this this line of uh, this this particular aesthetic that that never quite died out. It's because it's pure rock and roll post yeah. like getting getting
0: past like the rhythm and blues merging with everything else. This was this was this is real rock and roll. Yeah. It and was a, a throwback to the stripped down, almost bo diddly sound. Yeah, well and then people not having money and just going and recording. Right. The best, best
1: they could. Yeah, a single yeah, microphone it's very do it in yourself. the middle of your yes. garage.
0: Sure. Which is what rock and roll's all about.
1: Exactly. So with the scenes like the one in Detroit slowly gaining influence through the nineties. He was like a slowly leaking gasoline can all over the floor. This was arguably the band that lit the match. This is the Dandy Warhols from 1997. The song is called Not If You Were The Last Junkie On Earth. And like the Sonics, they were a band out of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and I wouldn't peg the Dandy Warhols down to garage, but they went in a lot of different directions using synthesizers and stuff like that to create this more techno garage sound. But you might recognize like the lo-fi recording, the 60s shuffle beat, the light drum sound that are all directly referenced by the major label bands like the Strokes, who are our obvious art, arguably the biggest benefactories of the Art Garage explosion. Benefactories? <laughs> beneficiaries I
0: like benefactor Benef- yeah, yeah I yeah. like yeah. Benefactories. They were pumping out the, the benefactory the the rock is where and roll. the the
1: benefactory is where the beneficiaries are made um, so what you know why am I doing this genre it's because I spent a formative year of my life around Detroit in the early aughts. That was my Camaro summer, remember, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And aught, anything your last at all, episode. anything at all was going on that summer. So this music reminds me of that time. Like, I was going to shows and seeing bands like these. I've dug deep enough to listen to the top two, and I've dug deep enough to listen, uh, I've listed the top five that are all from Detroit. Yeah! I'm, I'm really excited about for some reason. Because Michigan. Listen, I'm just excited that I I coined the term Art Garage because nobody's had a name for this movement. Yeah,
3: this movement needs a name because this was a very specific brand of garage rock revivalism. And I, I really, I'm afraid that this is the last real rock and roll movement. Because like, since this died out, there have been a few newer rock and guitar bands here and there. I'm hard pressed to name them because I'm getting old. But there haven't been very many, like, indie rock hasn't really been interested in rocking since about when Jack White disappeared up his own ass. (laughs) And testosterone kind of really, it it really only lives on in hip-hop and country right now. And a little bit of underground metal to some extent, but that gets so weird, it's like, it's it's, it's hip-hop and country, like, rock has virtually abandoned testosterone, and it's a damn shame.
1: Anything else? well I would like to
0: mention Dave and I uh, talked about this before <clears throat> when no one was listening that uh, the the box set nuggets yeah mm-hmm. is is I think has a part of of this sort of Yeah Nuggets revival. really
3: Nuggets really crystallized this as a genre to begin with like all the 60s garage bands the collected Nuggets, up in one place. Oh, this was a movement. Yeah.
2: Nuggets started as a compilation on Elektra, I want to say 72.
0: 1972 and it was Artifacts. Yeah. Artie yeah. yeah. Arty facts R-D-Facts from and the, then, uh, such
2: and such. Like everything awesome, uh Nitro or Nitro, sorry. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> I heard awesome and I thought nitro. Wait. I meant Rhino.
0: <laughs> Wait, were you talking about the, the American Gladiator? The, no, the metal band. Oh. Um Rhino <laughs> Records got a hold of a uh, the Yeah. 1998, Rhino yeah. Records put out a CD re revisiting the Nuggets. Actually, it was early as the eighties.
3: Yeah, Rhino was putting out Nuggets comps in the 80s, oh, really? and then Starting in 98, 84. they collected the best of all that in a four CD box set, and then they had a couple of actual sequels to okay, that. Okay, because I thought that like was- Like doing, um, it was like overseas Nuggets, and then like yeah, Children did... of Nuggets doing kind of modern garage rock
1: revival. All right, guys, I picked a really boring genre, and I did a lot of intellectual no, research on it. Listen, these, these are guys, short you, songs. You, you guys are in charge of the dick stroking jokes, Okay. Okay. I got a lot of reading to do. All right. All right. You guys want to do I'm this? Just saying, yeah. no, Let's listen to some import. short, awesome, awesome, awesome rock songs. Yeah, they're also all very short. Okay, here we go. That was a number ten bumper, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so this is the Hives. Die. Yeah. All right. Unlike groups like the Sonics and the Gories, the raw sound of Hot Garage is a choice. The Hives recorded their Vini VD Vicious album in the studio of either their producer, Pele Gunderfeld, <laughs> or lead singer Pele Omquist, as the recording location listed in the liner notes just says Pele Studio. They're Swedish by the way. Uh, My friends and I recorded music in our basements in the 90s with crisper and cleaner vocal and instrument sounds than this. Yeah, same here. Yeah, so this was recorded in 1999. They could have cleaned up their sound, but the choice was to mimic the raw sound of early garage. And that's not a bad thing. It just... The big difference between OG Garage and Art Garage, the sound is an inauthentic creative choice, not a necessity. It's deliberately lo-fi. Yeah. Uh, I saw
3: the Hives live. They were fantastic and a lot of fun. And uh, at the end of the show, uh, Pelle Almqvist yelled out to the crowd,
1: And i will beat your asshole friend,
3: man! Howlin' Pelle Almqvist!
1: Howlin' great. Howlin' Howlin' Pelle Almqvist. Pelle is Swedish for Peter, so uh, he's Howlin' Pete, which sounds really, really authentic. Yeah, that sounds on brand. Um, And Almqvist is Swedish
3: for authentic. Hmm. It isn't. I made that up. Really? Yes, I totally made that up just now. You're a liar. Improv, you guys. I
0: I had this album. And I was really excited uh, for this movement in particular. I was super excited. I was, I just graduated college. My whole life was ahead of me. I thought rock and roll was in for a revival. This, these guys were dubbed, not just them, but everybody on this list was dubbed the like that rock and roll is back. These guys are bringing rock and roll back. And they did it and then they just disappeared. And I think we're gonna find that with a lot of these guys. And it was a little bit depressing.
1: Um, I don't know what happened. They actually didn't disappear. My boss walked into the office the other day wearing a hive shirt and I just blurted out, the hives, are they still relevant? And then I realized I sounded like an asshole. Like, what are you doing wearing a Hives shirt, old man? <laughs> really took the piss but, out of him. Well, they are still recording. Like, They put on an album in 2012, and and uh, it sounds a little cleaner, but don't worry, Hives fan. They still haven't lost their Hivesiness. It still feels like a Hives album. But they're still out there recording, touring. There's still a deal. It's just...
3: you're. T- but, but It's just I- the trend has kind of died out, and yeah. so they don't get the coverage they used to. I'm
0: right. just letting you know you're taking me down the yellow brick road of... The rock and roll impression.
1: It was a two minute and 45 second song. You guys really <laughs> wow. got to talk fast today. Okay, number nine. The guy did Paul Stanley themed. It's Paul Stanley. Oh, singing. nice. It's all kiss. Uh, so it, it, then they're hard to hear. Yeah, well, you were talking over it. Yeah, I was. It's okay, it happens. Oh, Dave. It happens.
0: He got
2: gotcha. you. I feel you, man.
1: <laughs> you oh, guys no. are wasting time on these short songs. I know, tell me about it. Okay, this is the Black Keys. Girl is on my mind. The Black Keys signed up to introduce Steve Miller at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and backstage, Steve Miller had no idea who they were. <laughs> He didn't want to be there, he hated everything about the music industry. I'd imagine he was pissed off that they let a mediocre hack like himself into the hall while at the same while well, while well, time and time again snubbing somebody like Journey who really made an impact on rock and roll music. But I'll get into that on another podcast. I so, bet you will. So let's educate Steve Miller. The Black Keys are Dan Auerbach, who sings and guitars, and Pat Carney, who drums. They're from Akron, Ohio, and they're real DIY kind of guys. All these fantastic stories you hear about these super talented musicians recording entire albums in in like a day. Black Keys are those guys. They're, They're not jokers or smokers or midnight tokers. When they speak of love, they speak of the pompousness of love, not the pompitous which confused an entire generation of terrible music lovers and led to the title of a 1996 romantic comedy starring John Cryer. That's the worst sin of all.
3: Yeah, early early Black Keys can get really kind of samey, like they haven't quite expanded their format yet. But uh, this album, Rubber Factory, it was their third one. Um, It was kind of where they perfected their minimalist approach and kind of figured out all the different things they could do with it. And after this album, they started to branch out. Like eventually, they uh, incorporated more R and B influences in their sound. And they they, eventually they nailed that too.
1: Well, the first two albums were recorded in Pat Carney's basement, and this one Ah, they moved moved up professionally and recorded in an actual studio. No, in an abandoned uh, tire tire factory. Yeah, hence the name of the album, Rubber Rubber, Factory. Yeah, Yeah. Um, naming an album after where it was recorded is awesome. It's an awesome thing, which is why I consider naming our podcast Dan Harmon's Wallet. Yes. Uh, well, the reason there were only two
2: of them recording in the basement is uh, Dan Auerbach, the, uh, the main guy wanted to perform in bands but, or in bars, but nobody would let him because he didn't have a demo So he called up his buddy, Pat Carney and said, hey, bring some band members together, we'll record in your basement But they couldn't get anyone else to show up so it was just the two of them, and they decided to keep
0: it that way. Yeah, you read the Wikipedia page too. I did. All oh,
2: oh,
1: right,
0: yeah. a lot of fun facts on there. Uh, oh, no. This isn't a fun fact. I own this album, but always found the it's pretty good. That's yeah, fun. The White Stripes, uh, or excuse me, the Black Keys, to be a <laughs> poor corporate version of the White. Stripes. I mean, there
3: are certain uh, parallel opposites in the names and, of the bands, and they, it's, it always seemed like a band that was. Pr-
0: that made hooks for commercials. Lo and behold, they have now become the most successful garage band of these aughts because they've had like over 300 commercials with their stuff in there. So they cracked the code, good for them.
1: They became the most successful aught garage band. I named it, you don't have to dance around the term. Garage band of the aughts, no, no, aught garage band. It's a beautiful term.
3: I'd like to point out also that uh you know these these guys have a real bluesy influence. There is precedent within the world of blues for a guitar and drums duo. Uh there was a band in the 70s called Hound Dog Taylor and the House Rockers which was just two guitarists and a drummer. So it's uh there is a certain authenticity to the format if depending, you know, maybe not the results, but
1: you know, and probably in the 30s at the speakeasies there were all sorts of one two dudes playing the blues.
2: I was in a power duo called Gonad Pie in high school. Hey, that was the Obviously. 90s. All right.
1: That's <laughs> at number eight. Uh, this song is by The Kills. It's called Fuck the People. Yeah, let's fuck some people. So this is some down and dirty rock. It's a very bluesy riff here. It feels like a soundtrack to driving down a dusty road on the way to have a guitar battle with the devil. The song is proof that you can even distort a harmonica to solidify your throwback garage sound.
2: Yeah, what they're doing there isn't exactly that Bo Diddley syncopated beat, but it ain't far off. It's kind, of, it's,
3: it's kind of the John Lee Hooker beat, that, that, that yeah, shuffle. Yeah,
1: same, uh, same wheelhouse. I like yeah. how it drives, it yeah. never stops through the whole song. So the kills are VV, an American lady singer, and Hotel, a British guitar dude. This is a great opportunity to talk about the British component in Odd Garage. There was a British component. Oh, yeah. There was a, uh, there the it li- is. The Libertines,
3: yeah. the, the Arctic mm-hmm. Monkeys, the Fratellis. Fratellis,
1: yeah. Um, there was a scene out of Detroit, which we'll talk a lot about later. There was a scene in New York. A lot of there's, Brooklyn hipsters. Uh, there's a scene in Sweden and a bunch of phony balonies coming out of Australia. There's some in the South a little bit, too. Um, We're not counting Kings of Leon. Okay. But and, oh, I, didn't, I never said this. I'm only yeah. foc- I'm only focusing on bands that start with the name the today. Yeah, it's the Thes. It's the ths um, of Auk the plurals. Grouch. Yeah. Um. So th- that's why we're talking about the Kills mm-hmm. and not Arctic Monkeys. Yep. Um, or the Black Keys
2: and, and not we- the Gories. Yeah. The Dandy Warhols. The Hives and the Hives. The Sonics. Thanks
1: for the list of There's bands. A list. That, we've that was recap. To. That was for Steve. Um. So, but, but so with a little bit of the research I've done, the British scene and the Detroit scene of Odd Garage seem to have been the most authentic and influential and important. Authentic, definitely. Um, so this song is from the Kill's first album, from 2003, called Keep On Your Mean Side. It was recorded in Toe Rag Studios in London, the same place the White Stripes recorded their Elephant album. So I guess we could talk about the elephant in the room. These guys sound a lot like the White Stripes, (laughs) right, guys? Yeah, Yeah. Uh, nailed it. But, you know... The whole one-dude-one-lady combo is really a recipe to get buried behind the white stripes and and get your really good music sort of forgotten.
3: Well, uh, VV, uh, her real name is Allison Mosshart, uh, she later joined Jack White's side project, uh, The Dead Weather, so they ended up working together after all. Uh, I got some fun facts about VV and Hotel. I love fun facts. Uh, VV's brother is a chef who was engaged to Kelly Osborne for Ooh, a while. Terrible woman. Uh, Hotel, whose real name is Jamie Hince, uh, he was
1: married to supermodel Kate Moss for a time. And how how cool do you have to be to be married to Kate Moss? Yeah, that's normally reserved for Johnny Depp. Yeah, I mean she. Yeah. She's seen it all. She's done it all. And, and then she decided to marry a dude named Hotel. And it, well, that's what, but I want to talk about like how cool these guys are. We'll can do this I, later. Can I talk
0: about how... Can I throw a wet blanket on this, these guys? Sure. Because I got I had three for three for owning these albums. And I liked the song. And I was all about it. And I was ready for Rock and Roll's revival. And I bought albums. And I liked albums. And I listened to them. And then I found out the lead singer of the Kills was a model and that the dude was marrying models and I realized that the, most of these bands were just like passion projects for high society
1: and one percenters and it just depressed me Hey, this will cheer you up I was riding in the car with my son listening to this song and he, he's kind of a moralist He got all mad at me because I was listening to a song where they were saying fuck well, my daughter's different. She's two. She walks around the house going, Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. She doesn't care. It's great. Yeah, your son's so uptight. <laughs> Tell me about your it. Your daughter sounds pretty cool, though. And I like bringing her upright. What? We're
0: supposed to talk about how rock and roll is... The reason you made it in Garage for Lo-Fi is because you didn't have any money.
1: Yeah. Not because you were already cool. Well, we'll get into how the authenticity in Aut Garage is achieved through inauthenticity but um I, yeah, I, I want to say real quick I like the kills because their name is indicative of what seemed to be uh, a band naming competition at the time to see who could put the weirdest thing after the word the the most like thing you never think of the kills that's a weird thing to say there's even there's even stranger ones coming up all right thanks that was very quick these are quick bumpers thank God gotta the, get through these the big guns the strokes. These guys released a classic album that opened the fire doors so the world could become engulfed in art garage. They're a bunch of rich kids from New York City, mm-hmm. part of a great art garage scene over there in New York, including the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Interpol, which I won't talk about today because their names don't start with The, and the Hold Steady, who was possibly the winner of the contest to put The in front of the weirdest name. Um... All the garage acts that we're talking about today are so much cooler than everybody in the world. And th- yeah, and these guys were kind of the epitome of that. Like without they started the that music, trend.
3: Hmm? they didn't need. They didn't. Yeah, you're talking be- about without the music. Like these guys were just like right. stylish.
0: They and were hot born and cool yeah.
1: and
3: rich, and
0: they yeah. just yeah. were like, let's. I yeah, guess they, we're they, gave,
1: they gave zero fucks because they were rich. It was. It was great. They just float. In this awesome ether, totally untouched by lameness. I look up to that. I wanted to be these guys, but I can never carry myself with that much coolness. It just...
2: Well, if your father was a famous fashion designer, uh, you'd probably be able to. You could wear scarves like Tom Petty. Or these guys who totally ripped off Tom Petty. And the cars.
1: Give the trophy pop. Listen, this album is a classic. It's great from beginning to end. There's not a false note on it, and it's an entirely original song. Of course it sounds like some things. What things don't sound like other things?
2: Uh, it, it amazes me that a Tom Petty note. was in a lawsuit with Sam Smith over how similar that song sounded. Well, that was actually yeah, exactly that was the same. Yeah, that off. but you cannot hear the intro to Last Night and hold it up against American Girl and not realize it's the exact same intro. Hey, I just don't know why Grandpa can't get into the strokes. Come on, Grandpa. I'll tell you why. I had a girlfriend that was really into it, and the first time we ever made out, I was sitting in her car. I just wanted to make out. But she kept playing tracks off this, and I really had to pee.
0: And I I sat being uncomfortable for way too long. Man, I want to give out to the strokes. All right, this is a great album. It's almost a perfect album. Yeah, it's great. But the problem with a perfect album is that it's not a garage album. Garage albums are never perfect unless you're the Ramones. If you listen to... This is supposed to be made to sound like the Ramones but listen to the Ramones first album that one is a garage album that is imperfect and became perfect because of how awesome they were this is it's so overproduced and I and and it's great it's a great album and I hate it and I don't know why I don't know why there was a girl who really liked it and I really liked her and it was one of those things that if I didn't like this album she wanted nothing to do with me I couldn't do it I don't know it just sounds so
3: False and fake. I love if this, this album was a because garage, I, it
0: was a 12 car garage in Bern, Switzerland. This is like the wrong kind of garage.
3: I love this album because I wasn't dating any girls at the time that have negative associations with it. Listen, here's speaking a... speaking of
0: Switzerland. This is the
1: sound that a trust fund makes when you withdraw money. Listen, this isn't garage. It's art garage. It is inauthentic garage, and it is good and fun to listen to. And I'm sure and all well these guys polished. are awesome. Listen, a lot of people say Julian Casablancas. He's the son of a rich fashion guy. But listen, listen. He made great music. Not all rich kids make great music. That's very true. Have you heard the Trump kids album? Yeah, it's awesome. it's it, all it is is Eric and Donald Trump. Is Eric Trump is murdering prostitutes while Donald Trump Jr. claps along in terrible rhythm. Yeah, he's way off beat. It's a terrible album. Terrible. Oh, another rich kid in this oh, band shit. was Albert oh, Hammond. Ju- oh, shit. Shit. oh shit. Fucking shit. It doesn't beat. matter who they are. Yeah. They're all- It's Albert Just- Hammond Jr.
3: His dad Just- wrote uh, It Never Rains in Southern California. He also wrote <laughs> Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now with Diane Warren. Oh Just because it's on and the page. And they met at boarding school in Switzerland. Oh my god. Oh,
2: boom! <laughs> Just,
1: I was gonna
3: tie Hunter's thing in there, but he interrupted me. The songs are short.
2: Just because it's on the page doesn't mean you have to read it.
1: Yeah, but it was fun facts. Oh my Dave. god, he's still talking. <laughs> Hold on, okay. Dave kept talking. Oh, stop talking! I gotta play this bumper that goes. You guys, now I gotta it respond off. to Dave. Okay. Is <laughs> at number six? Look how you said <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear him. This is Mooney Suzuki, the Mooney Suzuki, ah. alive and amplified. I always knew him as Mooney Suzuki. I didn't, I, until they are the Mooney Suzuki. Yeah, That's why I'm music. talking about them, because they have the in front of it. Yeah. So they're yes. on the New York City scene, and it's one of the bands I remember seeing in Detroit around 2001. Yeah, right the after, song's a goddamn jam. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um... You know, the Mooney Suzuki never got too much bigger than when I saw them in a little bar in Detroit, but it was before this song came out. This song is amazing. It's more of an ar- arena rock revival than Garage, but because of the strokes and the white stripes, every act had to record in that stripped-down, alt garage style, no matter how what their actual sound was. And uh, this album was recorded in a fancy studio in Los Angeles. I, I, just, never,
3: I never realized this song was by these guys. Like, I only had their earlier album, Electric Sweat. But this is great.
0: I, I was so jaded by this point that I just assumed these guys like their dads were record execs, because that's what it seemed like. Everybody's had somebody who was a record exec, the but problem, they weren't, were they? I have no idea. I just like I was just so jaded by this point that I was like, the rock and roll is dead. This song was in a commercial, right? It was. Like, it was in video
1: games. Here's, the fun, the, okay. here. here's the fun. Okay. Here's the funnest of fun facts. This Mooney Suzuki song wasn't a car commercial, a Suzuki commercial. Whoa. It's the truth. It's the truth. Which makes me think we should change the name of this podcast to the Chevy and Honda Music and Ejaculation Joke Hour so we can get ourselves some sponsorship bucks. J.D., if
3: you change Honda to Bell's Kalamazoo Stout, I think we got something right there.
1: Hmm. Hunter, you'll love this fun fact. I, I bet. The name Mooney Suzuki comes from the last names of two different singers of the Kraut Band. The kraut rock band, Can. Can! Malcolm Mooney and Damo Suzuki. A black American and then a Japanese guy singing for a kraut rock band. That's crazy. It's never crazy when expatriates singing in rock and roll bands happens in America because we're a melting pot, but when it happens overseas, it blows my mind. Wait, why do you think Hunter's the only one who loves that fun fact? I don't know. I, I love like that
3: fun fact. Can is a great band. i talked band. about I love how we're all doing the Michigan pronunciation of can. 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 <laughs> you guys, go to. Why don't me? you is think it, I like Can? Is
0: it is it Con? <laughs> that's what I, I I have no idea, but that's what I was told when I asked actual or Well, they were just German. They weren't yeah.
1: Krautrockers. The Con Film Festival, a Con of Corn. Oh, you mean Con? Con. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was talking about Can. Yeah. James Cann, the actor. Oh, he's
0: good. <laughs> I don't know, I went to I Michigan don't know. State. He went to Michigan State. Yeah. Ronald Reagan, The
1: President. Oh, that was just crazy. Uh, I love this song. You don't have to talk anymore. It's about the end and there's gonna be a really... Yeah. Oh Wait, no, there's no bumper because... Oh. Here it is. Now Hunter's the only one slapping his knees.
3: You know what, Dave? A couple episodes ago, you said that this sounds terrible when we clap along on the podcast. You're fucking wrong. It sounds great. All right. Sorry. Sorry, fellas.
0: And how amazing was the moment where everybody sang along? Yeah, Yeah, that was pretty cool. All
1: right, fuckers. Welcome to Maryland. The old line state. Show me the old line. Delaware, who hates Maryland, calls it Maryland, implying the men there are (gasps) effeminate. And Maryland calls them Smell-Aware, oh. implying it's a
2: stinky state. Well, they're, uh, the Latin on their flag literally translates to, oh, I don't remember it now, it's like Manly Men and Feminine Dreams or something like oh. that? I, oh, yeah. I'm sure that's it. Yeah, oh. I gotta look it up. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, so this is Crying in the Chapel by the Orioles.
3: Oh, the Orioles! Yep. The definitive bird of, of Baltimore, yep, and hence they, Maryland.
2: They took their name from the state bird.
1: That state fucking loves Orioles yeah, so much. Yeah, they really much. do. Hey, have you guys ever nailed an orange onto a tree to get Orioles to come eat it? I did it when I was a kid in Michigan, and nailed Orioles... It? Yeah, you like, na- you like, take a half orange... No, you don't fuck it, Hunter. <laughs> and you, you take a big nail, and you nail the half orange onto a tree, and then, like, Orioles will come, and they'll eat the orange. Huh. huh. I once there nailed, nailed Orioles outside
2: of Maryland? There sure are. Once... I once nailed a bluegill to a tree, and then we all threw axes at it, playing this game
3: I made up called Chop <laughs> That Fish. Chop <laughs> <laughs> That Fish! <laughs> we we had to been, the tune of Christopher Cross's "Charm That Snake." We had been drinking. No, I'm sure we were listening to Dio.
1: Email your pictures and videos of your own games of chop that fish to Beyond Yacht Rocket oh, for down. Just a second. This is your song, so you totally yeah, are yeah. taking your own time.
0: That's no, fine. We'll play it twice. Yeah, give the. Give the audience a little, uh, a little rules so they can play
1: this. Out. No, no you, there's no rules. You throw yeah. shit at a fish. that's nailed yeah. to a tree. No, it's I a great say game. That.
0: You
2: go fishing at five in the morning. You come back, take a nap. You wake up. You nail a fish to the tree. You have all your friends over. You drink a bunch of beer and you put start, on some Dio. You put on some Dio. Maybe some Slayer. Maybe some Iron Maiden. Uh, and you start throwing hatchets at the tree. And uh, if you miss, because you, you got ha- hatchets laying around. Who, how yeah. do you know who wins? If you miss, you have to drink. Hey, ah!
1: hey, Hey Dave, tell us about these sensitive guys talking about men crying. This song was written as a country song
2: by Artie Glenn for his son Daryl and is one of the most covered songs of
3: 1953.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This version only got to number 11 on the billboard charts, not doing as well as the original white guy Daryl Glenn version that made it to number 6, or version by white woman June Valley that made it to number 4. But the Orioles took it to number one on the R&B charts, Mm. all in 1953. (laughs) Can can you imagine in 1953 that a bunch of different people
1: had the same song
2: in the top 100?
1: There was a scourge of covers in those days. Like all those early Beatles and Stones albums, they're all half covers of black music. Yeah, and you know what? Another white
2: dude named Elvis took this all the way to number three in 1965.
0: I think that we should... Officially just call the R&B charts by its best name, which is the Hot Black Singles. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just for them for,
1: Everyone likes Hot Black Singles. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, uh, it, so, will somebody just list a bunch of bands from Maryland and then we can get back on the bus? Well, I do want to say something about the Orioles. They were uh, widely considered to be
2: the birth of doo-wop. They were the first R&B vocal group and they started the craze of groups naming themselves after birds. Flamingos, Penguins, best known for Earth Angel. Uh, They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for their contributions to Doo-Wop. And Journey's not in there. Yeah. More on that in another podcast. And uh, uh, also Roots artists of rock and roll. And I almost put kicks in here, but I didn't want to take away any kick songs from Minor Steve's future episodes.
3: That's a solid move, because there will be kicks in future episodes. I would have supported you reusing Cold Blood from episode three of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Totally. 100%.
2: Maryland also had a rather impressive Doom Metal hardcore scene, but I didn't want to list a bunch of names. I want to
3: list a couple of names. That sound
2: was Steve clapping with excitement. (laughs) Doom Metal. Yeah, let's just say I was baiting somebody with that.
3: Do uh, I'll, I'll you, you want to list name, doom metal bands? I'll name the list. two most important doom metal bands from Maryland. Uh, Pentagram, they were formed in 1971, went through the entire 1970s without releasing more than a couple of singles, but uh, eventually from 1985 to 1994, got. Uh, they released three really influential albums. Uh, and the other really important Maryland doom metal band is the Obsessed. Formed by American doom metal legend Scott Wino Weinrich, uh, who he he formed them in the in the mid 70s. They split up when he joined Saint Vitus, who kind of both doom and stoner metal pioneers. And then he reformed them after Saint Vitus broke up. Uh, they released, I think it was like three, also really influential albums. He's gone on to make some other excellent bands, including Spirit Caravan and The Hidden Hand, and they all sound like him. Also, Tony Braxton's
2: from
0: there.
3: Oh. He was Cal born Ripken? in Maryland and Cal, Ripken?
0: Cal
2: Ripken I worked Cal on the Cal
3: reality show Braxton Family Values for multiple seasons and still going Tony on Brax- It's still
2: going Steve, on Steve, we've moved on to Cal Ripken and Cal Ripken Jr. And remember Billy Ripken's fuckface <laughs> baseball bat?
3: Oh yeah Oh, that yeah. was great Guys, look up that baseball card on the internet <laughs> Billy Ripken has fuckface written on the, the bottom of his bat And it made it into a baseball card Thanks for saying what I said
1: I explained it better than you did Let's get back on that buzz God, we're so good at this we're great. This is number five. Our bus broke down in Detroit. We're gonna be stuck in Detroit for the next five songs. Thank God. God help us. Oh, this is a bad place to break down. This is a white oh, stripe. Detroit's
3: Fuck. on the way back. They got a lot of good Middle Eastern food places now too. You can get great shawarma. Uh,
1: this is a white stripes. Girl, you have no faith in medicine. <laughs>
3: That's <laughs> it. No. That's all we had to say about That's this it. one. Uh, it. That's it. That's I, w- I, just, I just want to say, I just want to say that this is the exact same guitar riff as "Urge Overkill's Positive yeah, Bleeding." Yeah, you pointed that out. I it's never unbelievable. Yeah, I never put it's, that together it's before the same you notes. Spotlighted the song. It's the exact same riff. Wait, which which came
1: first? Urge positive Overkill. Bleeding. Yeah, Urge Overkill. That came was like
3: ninety five. Ninety. Yeah, it was on Saturation. a ninety four ninety five.
1: Jack White, what are you doing? Jack White. So listen, Jack White, even though he rips off Urge Overkill, he was the genius guru of the Detroit odd garage scene. Yeah. Uh, even though I, I don't really like the white stripes, I, I like them when they, like... I, I don't know how making a crazy face to me right now. When they, like, show focus and energy like they do in this song or fell in love with a girl, I'm nuts for them, but they usually, like... Sludging it through these blues songs they're just kind of bore me.
3: And he's also got that, that really twee indie sensibility underlying a lot of his work. But I think he may Jack White may end up being the last great rock and roll songwriter. Yeah, he's the last rock star. That's yeah, he's mean, the last rock star. He was the rock
0: star that came out of this movement that was supposed they, to revive rock and roll. They used to play in this bar called
2: Harvey's on the Mall in Kalamazoo. My friends and I would always be downstairs enjoying our beers. When they played, he would come around and be like, hey guys, this band's playing upstairs. Go and check them out. We're like, no, we've seen you before. It's cool. But what I will say is when they started playing, people were drawn to him, even back from the
3: very start, because
0: he was just fucking polarizing. It's because he felt authentic, yeah. which is lacking in this
3: garage. Yeah, he really studied the early influence. Like He studied early blues and early rock as and a, roll and really mastered it.
0: As a kid who is a nerd and obsessed with it, not like somebody who is like super cool and is like, in Switzerland. Like, this is a
1: guy who went out there with a shitty guitar and did fucking played his hardest. Right, but his shitty guitar was a choice. Now, this is from their fourth album, and their second major label album is called Elephant. Oh, on this, yes, yeah. it was a choice. Um, And it doesn't stray from the odd garage aesthetic that they had in their early stuff, either. And Jack White's recording philosophy is to, like, use worn or broken instruments to try to do his best to make it work. And I really love that! I love it! But that's just an example of, like, an inauthentic choice to sound more authentic, but there's nothing wrong with challenging yourself. like like, um, you know, like uh, Jack White is probably a narcissist and a bully who won't listen to anyone else's ideas. Oh, so totally. at least so at least he's smart enough to preso- provide himself with self-inflicted challenges to overcome. He's when, a rock star. and it's exactly why I invited you, Bozos, to do this podcast yeah. with me. Oh, oh god. This uh, is a fli- poppy's fucking challenge. Poppy. Poppy's back.
0: I will say this they did expand their sound on this, um, but they unleashed Seven Nation Army on us, which fucking sports, you ruined that song and yeah. sports. <laughs> 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 fucking stop doing it. What was that one? Four. Oh, that you. was
1: four. Sounds like Detroit Rock City. It does.
2: Oh, I wonder where
1: they're from. They're from Detroit, oh! Rock City. This is the Von Bondies. Oh, I know these guys. Lack of communication. Uh, the Von Bondies are the runners-up for the weirdest things to put the in front of contest. Uh, this song was from their first album, which was recorded in three days in proper Art Garage fashion. You know what their
0: name before the Von, they settled on the Von Bondies was? What? The Baby Killers. Ooh!
1: Fun fact, I guess. I yeah, that's a fun fact. Yeah. I love baby killers. Good name. I feel like I have cool friends in Ann Arbor who are friends with these guys. Nice. I feel like there's a lot of talk about like, yeah. oh, the Von Bondies. we're hanging out with the Von Bondies. the Von Bondies are playing here, the Von Bondies are playing there. Yeah. But I have, a, I have a terrible memory, so I don't really... The Von Bondies are playing here, maybe they can get us into our right, White stripes show. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, listen, any of my Not old... Not
0: anymore. They, Not they anymore. can introduce us to Jack White, because... He was a big supporter of these guys early. Yeah, Jack White fucking he smothered like he he cradled these guys and like held them up in the early days. In the early days, not just
1: these guys, but all of Detroit. He he was uh, the prince to their Morris Day. Like when they were super nobodies, he included them in like a compilation of garage bands from Detroit. Yeah, had them open for the White Stripes, (laughs) which is part of that authentic thing. Uh Because he was really trying
3: to
0: like bring up
3: any Yeah, anytime, anytime a guy makes it big, like Kurt Cobain tried to spotlight all his influences, Jack White tried to spotlight all his influences when he started to come up. Uh, he had the the Symp- Sympathetic Sounds of Detroit is the name of that compilation you were talking about. It's really good. Uh, but then all hell broke loose. Yeah, I was going to uh, say before that this band is really best known for Jack White punching their lead singer in the face. And it was a lot more than a punch. According to the guy from
2: uh, the Von Bondys, Jack White beat the shit out of the dude in the face with his forearm that was in a cast (laughs) at the time. He took a page out Uh, of uh,
0: Cowboy Bob Orton. Yeah, Mr.
2: Von Bondy claimed that Jack fractured his face and dislocated his eyeball. Jack said that it was simply a lack of communication and that it was just a black eye and he was exploiting the bar brawl for publicity and money.
1: How weak is Von Bondi's when he gets beat the shit out of by this pale, anemic... Vampire?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, let's the, let's just say uh, the skinny jeans are running deep in the Von Bondi's. To
0: be fair, this guy, the Von Bondi is probably... Uh, uh, Von Bondi is probably very a very nice person, but... Looking at his face, he kind of he's kind of looks like the type of guy who's like in Detroit and he's like, "But I'm a Cubs fan." And you want to punch him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Or any Cubs fan for that matter. Fuck you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood We're gonna win.
3: This is the year. Hollywood's... This is the fucking year. This is next year. Sorry.
2: And this is this is Sorry. what it, And this Sorry. is what grunge did to sports. You know, this is this is why sports are awful.
3: Hey,
2: it, what the fuck it, are you talking about? Because it turns nice people like Hollywood Steve into fucking maniacs like that.
1: Fuck the Cardinals! Did we already say that uh, Jack White produced this Von Bondi's yeah, album? Yeah, I think we mentioned probably. that. Okay. okay. This is probably we before he punched the guy in the face. We just talked about how they cradled. Well, <laughs> this band went on to do a song called Come On, Come On that was a big hit, but this is from an earlier album. And it was probably in a commercial. Before yeah. the
3: big the big barb roll.
1: Barbo. As a number three. (laughs) Who did the bumpers? Uh, Chris Holmes is his name. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris Holmes. I love this song. I love this song. Uh, And it's short. Listen, This is a song about a lady eating a hot dog. Mm. It's by the Detroit Cobras. It's called Hot Dog Watch Me Eat. And believe it or not, and yes, this is J.D. Rizno talking. I'm actually bummed out when it inches into sexual suggestiveness. I wish this was just a song about a lady eating a hot dog. If I squint my ears, that's what it is. I am with you. I fucking love hot dogs. I
2: love hot dogs. I had three hot dogs for lunch
1: today. I love when other people eat hot dogs and talk about how much they like them, too. You came by my house yesterday. What did I offer you? A, A hot dog. dog. Dave, do you use the thing I got you
0: for you the, got the the hot drugs. dog roller? No, that cooker? W- that went bad. Ah. Oh, oh. Oh. I think it
1: got destroyed in weather by being
2: outside. It did. Uh-huh. It was Hunter for my wedding gift. Got me a real nice hot dog roller. We used it several times. JD cooked uh, hot dogs on it at a comedy show. Um,
0: but well, I'm glad it got some use. It did. It that did was get a for lot you because I know yeah. how much you like hot dogs. I fucking love hot dogs. But I gotta say this song. It needs to be Coney Dog. Yeah. I know it doesn't fully fit, but they're the Detroit. It should be the Coney Dogs.
3: Okay, fine. Coney
0: Dog. I yeah, like the Coney
3: Dog. I just want to say, as the only single man on this podcast, I I, appreciate—I know you're all really into hot dogs. I like hot dogs, too, with sauerkraut. It's great. But I appreciate this lady is specifically inviting me to watch her doing something suggestive when she eats a hot dog, because I'm I'm really not sure. Like I don't know, I don't know, I don't understand internet validation etiquette. I don't know when, like, if a lady I know posts a, a thirsty selfie on Instagram, I don't know if, if it's an in, if it's a general invitation, like it's it's if it's specifically like, is she gonna What's, freak out that I like it? Like I don't know. Is she just general approval i don't understand what is this lady selfie? you don't she, know what a, you don't know what she's so got what a, about of water. picture of yourself and you're thirsty like you need value you're craving validation and attention Oh, especially like for look the how opposite hot sex. Look how hot I am! I need a drink of water. <laughs> oh, again, again, He's literally
0: thirsty. I didn't know. What he was uh, saying. Listen again. Oh, oh, fucking it's over. It's <laughs> over. I told date, you it was you short.
1: Assholes. Listen, I just want to reiterate that I uh, I really hope that this is simply a song about enjoying eating hot dogs. I love hot dogs. If you ever want to make friends with JD Riznar, Beyond Yacht Rock fans, buy me a hot dog. I want to say too, this lady uh, does a good job of convincing me
3: that I am personally invited her to watch eat, eat to watch her. Eat a hot dog. We will both enjoy the experience and find it fun and flirty. Oh, Thank you, Detroit right, th- Cobras. Thanks, Steve, fucking for reading
1: every bit of your paragraph. Thank you very much.
3: <laughs> Thank you for giving me the time to do it,
1: J.D. Well, I, will... <laughs> I said number two. You can't talk about hot dogs I, I... <laughs> That was number two. And this is the Dirt Bombs owed to a black man. Yeah. The Dirt Bombs are fronted by the same guy from the Gories up, up top. Detroit. He's from Detroit. Yeah, Mark, Mark Collins. His name Mick. is Mick. Mick, Mick, Collins.
3: Mick Collins. Mark
0: Collins is a guy I went to college with. I, I wouldn't know, but I He worked say at Pizza Hut with the, me. That first gory sound song sounded like uh, the Rolling Stones, like early Rolling Stones, like a, like a Mick Jagger thing. I was happy to find his name
1: was Mick. And he's also a black man, and I think this is an ode to himself. Yeah. Yeah, Um. I was going to refer to him as a rare black front Sorry. man in punk, but... everyone No, you didn't. You didn't at all. Sorry. No. When I was researching this, I was like, oh, this is a rare black fr- uh, front man of a punk band, but they're it's not, everywhere. It's not that rare. Yeah, it's not rare at all, and it makes me... Really think I'm onto something with this idea I have for a genre called Black Eyed Rock. Which is like Blue Eyed bra- bra- Soul. Brown Eyed Rock. Oh, Brown Eyed Rock. Black, <laughs> black Eyed Rock. <laughs> black-eyed
0: rock. Uh, black Guy No, Black Eyed rock.
1: rock is the Von Bondies after Jack White gets through with them. Yeah, that's right. Bang. No, my genre is Brown Eyed Rock. It's like Blue Eyed Soul, just like the unnecessary racial observation that a fellow of a color you wouldn't expect is singing a song. Can I... Can I
0: refute that just briefly sure everybody everybody is is in rock and roll there's rock and roll has no color soul is a little bit a part of rock and roll which is why it's a novelty which is mostly black and it's why it's the blue eyed part i always thought brown eyed folk because that is a that's the white side that went into rock and roll
3: that's my thing there is a genre too called brown-eyed soul, but that's meant to refer to Latinos performing R&B. Oh, that's interesting.
1: It and doesn't it's make any kind sense. Kind of imperfect. Yeah. Know, Let me term. count the ways it's imperfect. So, uh, the Dirt Bombs were one of those bands with an unusual instrument lineup, like they had two bass players and, and two, two drummers. drummers. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, yeah. But, ah! but Mick Collins was doing double duty
2: on guitar and vocals. So that's rare in rare. This rock guy's fucking amazing. But, but I mean, he's fucking doing both of that, and he's so good at it. He still needs two bass players and two drummers to keep up with the awesome shit that he's doing. I and he was a Detroit powerhouse. He was yeah, in bands. He's like, my new favorite yeah. fucking
0: musician. Yeah, from he's Detroit. fucking remarkable. He's amazing. He? I didn't know this. This yeah. is the best thing about Otte Garage. I found out about fucking Mick Collins. He was under my nose the entire time while I was growing up.
1: This is one. I love doing this podcast. Is because everyone, everyone in the planet should be listening to this podcast because we right. uncover music with the tenacity that nobody else does. And nobody else presents it in such a delightful package as we do. We're we're great. great. Yeah. 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 That's a great point. uh, Yeah. Be
3: on Yacht Rock. Tell your friends. We are really good at this, and people who don't listen to us should be listening to us. We stand on the
0: shoulders of giants like fucking Mick Collins. Oh,
3: my favorite thing
2: about Mick Collins that I found out, he did backing vocals for San Diego's own Rocket from the Crypt
1: on their best-known song, On a Rope. Oh, and here's another fun fact. This is a cover of a Phil Linet solo song. Phil Linet from uh, Thin Lizzy. That's right. and Roll knows no color. We're kind of doing a Thin Lizzy song, finally. Kind of. Uh, Kind of. A big kind of. We'll get there. Uh, That's at number one. (laughs) This is a little band called The Go's. Yes, and they're not half
0: of The Go Go's.
1: Um, the or, the,
0: or the faction, or
2: half of OK Go that focuses on cool music, instead of uh, visually interesting
1: viral videos. So, why did I pick this song for number one? It's really good. It's really good for one. I just let's talk dis- about rock and roll. I just discovered it, so it's super fresh and new to me. And also, it doubles as a lost late Camaro summer hit. Uh, It's got rock and roll as a pillar of freedom, a nostalgic sound, and tons of Detroit-grown American beef. I mean, the cow they killed for this beef probably was raised in the sewers under Tiger Stadium and fed a steady diet of ham, Tramick, sauerkraut, pierogies, and kogel... Yeah! Conies!
0: Conies! Nah. Also, Mariah Carey is in the background on this song. Really? That's another reason why he picked this. I love Mariah Carey. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> just, He's just, uh, just uh, Did you see why, my face? Why did I <laughs> I love so this up? Why, why did I pick this up? All I want someone, for
3: Christmas is a
1: coney dog. Someone took away Hunter's notes. So... <laughs> The, the Go is a band That's so obscure The main members Don't even have Their own Wikipedia pages So it's kind of like To the Detroit Art Garage scene What Beyond Yacht Rock Is to the Los Angeles Podcasting scene
2: Or what they, our What our internet show And podcast is To Yacht Rock Yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah They're our brothers In Wikipedia-lessness There is a Wikipedia Entry for the show Not us the individually though That's my point No it's not like, us individually The Go has a Wikipedia if only, page What the, the fuck Are they going to put if on If only our... we could Edit it ourselves <laughs> And I'm waiting for somebody to write
2: one about me. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a little uh little ostentatious if you do it yourself. You know, you I wait.
0: like rock songs. The best rock and roll songs are so-
3: are songs about rock and roll.
1: Yeah, they really are. They really are. It's
3: kind of it's kind of like how the best rap songs are about how the rapper is good at rapping, right, Dave? What? I wasn't listening. I'm with, you tuned out at the word rap, didn't you? No, I was
2: thinking about my me undies and how delightfully comfortable they are. <laughs> and how I haven't sat on my balls once we're, today. We're
1: not sponsored by them yet. Shut up. <laughs> Make them pay us. Save it for the next podcast. All right, do you guys want to have a fight about authenticity? Yeah! Yeah. Uh, See?
2: To,
0: uh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm over it at this point. I mean, there is something that I like about Detroit, and I, and it's it's purely my cynicism. I When I hear fancy new yorkers doing garage rock at a time when it was like impossible for anybody to live in new york it just feels it's more bad. impossible to live there
1: now than yeah. it, for totally to, like, different reasons though so here's here's my last word then so aunt garage it's supposed to be inauthentic the whole genre is forged by the struggle for inna for authenticity which is just enough struggle in and of itself to make the music authentic the only way You could be an authentic art garager is to be inauthentic about your authenticity. It's billionaire Jack White playing shitty guitars only because it's harder and sounds more interesting. It's the stroke singing through a filter while Albert Hammond Jr. plays keyboards with a model rubbing his dad's nothing's gonna stop us now cash all over his balls. It's all these non-white rappers... Oh, we started over again. It's all these non-white-stripe Detroit bands getting catapulted, catapulted into record deals and selling their integrity to the world's last ever A&R reps, desperate to keep their vanishing jobs. Yeah, rock and roll. That's my man. last word on Art Garage. Oh, thanks for reading the entire paragraph, JD. Does anybody have a list of names they would like to... Listen, nicknames, do you have another list of nicknames this week, Steve? No, I don't no? have any nicknames. All right, good. What well, well, didn't make I, the list?
2: Can I take this opportunity to uh, pull a Hollywood Steve and read everything from my notes that I didn't get into the show?
1: <laughs> I, I will.
3: I just want to Sorry, say... Sorry,
1: Steve. Sorry, Steve.
3: <laughs> you just read an entire paragraph. You've read paragraphs it's, the he's entire the captain. time. Show?
1: He is he's the, the captain. captain.
0: All right, whatever. What didn't make the list? We're terrible. All right, I'm
3: gone back. I'm the back. What didn't make
0: the list? Steve, it's you.
3: Uh, There's a good all-female Swedish garage band called The Sounds. Uh, There's also a really good Detroit band uh, called The Paybacks. Oh, yes. Featuring lead singer Wendy Case, and they did three pretty good albums during the aughts. Yeah.
0: Hunter? Yeah. You got. Did you make mention of the vines earlier, or did you throw it away? No, we we
3: left that paragraph out. Yeah, the vines.
0: The Vines, i they don't really... The weird thing is they don't have... The, they're, they're lumped in with these garagey guys.
3: Yeah, they were like the big four early on. Yeah. Like with the, mm-hmm. the Strokes, the White Stripes, but and the Hot. But out of but Australia. When, yeah,
1: when I'm listening to all these bands, like they would listen to today, and I hear the Vines, it's a grunge band it is that, a they, that they recorded through a filter. But mm-hmm. I will say the Sonics
0: were also like the grandfathers of grunge, too, because if you ever listen to the song nine that's the one I really know by the Sonics, is that it's very fuzzy, grungy sounding. And they're from Tacoma. Yeah. So it's like, oh well, whatever. But so I'm just gonna mention the vines. But um but if you wanna really find something that from the same general area that's more garagey, the Dotsons from
2: New Ooh. Zealand. I kinda which,
1: of remember liking the Dotsons. Yeah. With the with the song
2: The uh Lady. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to have said the Mummies because they just encompass this so much, but they were ten years too early. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Spits. They may skew a little too punk for this list, but they they probably definitely captured the garage sound and they totally nail having the in their name. They did.
1: i never heard of those bands, and I don't need to listen to them to know for sure, Dave, that those are too punk for this list. All right, well, I'm definitely. Gonna, I'm going to wear my Mummies shirt next time I see you. Oh, that'll help convince me that they're all at grudge. There you go. Listen. Mission I love accomplished. Guys. <laughs> I love you guys. This was this was not a fun episode like uh, like Gaia, <laughs> but it, it really it's it a fucking great playlist. It was necessary. Yeah, yeah. It's informative. Because
0: this is like this is a, the dying gasp of rock and roll.
1: Really, yeah. we're, we're it's, looking it's, at it.
3: Yeah, it's the last. Yeah. It, it could be the
0: last
2: one. Podcasting isn't all fun and games, you fucks.
1: Sometimes you got to learn a thing or two. Yeah. So next week. <laughs> We're going country. Finally! I I imagine it's going to be, like, Hunter's the captain, I imagine it's going to be like this down-and-dirty, rebellious, gunslinging, cowboy outlaw kind of week. Right, Hunter? Yes. I did rap, our first official rap. I'm doing our first official
3: country, and it's going to be so amazing. Good thing you're not single, because a lot of people on their dating profiles are like, Ah! Interested in all kinds of music
1: except rap and country.
0: This is this is the point where it's like I like country But the old but only old country. I don't like like you know Wait, what I No,
1: mean? I want to see I want you to talk about what genre you are talking about because it's great. It's oh, called, it's called in-law that? country Oh, oh you actually want me to I was set, it. I thought I was you trying, were teasing it. No, I was trying to set
0: you up It's oh. called in-law
1: country because- I'll say it now. Just tell me. You should have me.
3: written a paragraph Hunter
0: It was it's called in-law country because this is when the outlaws went lame and tried to impress the in laws in the 80s. It's going to be great.
1: Yeah. I'm have really you guys listened to, to any of it? Yet? Absolutely. Not yet. No I least. haven't yet, but I'm yeah. going to listen to it hard. It's going to be fucking fun. It's great. All right. So find this week's Aunt Grudge playlist by following JD Riznar on Spotify. Go to feralaudio.com for show notes by Tim Malcolm. Follow at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Same guy.
2: I, uh, I had the pleasure of having dinner with Tim Malcolm in New York when I was researching diarrhea. Delightful fellow. Good job, Tim. Yep, yep. Good we job for a, delighting. We day. shared
0: a Polish meal. Speaking of Tim, wasn't there a magazine that also had the name Nugget?
2: Oh yeah, uh, Nuggets was the uh, the uh, magazine that had amputees, and uh, it's a porno mag. Oh. That featured amputees and people pooping on each other. Uh, we're luck. looking forward Waiting to, 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 to those get links, your old paragraph <laughs> in the show.
3: Good luck.
0: Lo-
1: good luck looking that up, Tim. Uh, yeah. Send questions. Well, the difference was mine Whoa. was asked for send questions via twitter at yacht rock follow jd at jd risnar follow hollywood steve at hollywood steve h follow dave at david underscore b underscore lions follow hunter at hunter stare like yacht rock on facebook rate and review us on itunes go to yachtrock.com to see yacht rock episodes
0: Whoa! wait what listen to episode. of the what podcast just wait,
1: what just happened what, happened? what by, just happened by beyond yacht rock t-shirts it's up Wait, Yachtrock.com Yacht... is finally a it's useful, a useful experience. experience It sure is yeah. guys So go there, thank you very much Stephanie Cobb, Cal Dyke's girlfriend You did a great job I'll bet she loves being referred to <laughs> as that <laughs> It's how I know her um, um, And also she's an
0: amazing webmaster The yeah. site looks great It's yeah. fucking And a fantastic ah, person And a, awesome. a
1: terrific house guest Thanks to Chris Holmes for the bumpers. Follow him on Twitter at Gray Flannel Suit. That's gray with an A. Yeah, I want to push for some some more bumpers.
0: We're, yeah. we're running low on bumpers. If anybody yeah. out there on my Twitter page, if you don't want to say the, the, the number and you just want to, like, bang on something,
1: I have all the one, 10 through 1 ready to go. Hunter will edit in the numbers for you. Um... Oh, uh, and also rate it, really rate us and review us on iTunes. So it's yeah, going
2: this is a big, a big. It's getting stagnant. To... We have
1: thousands of listeners and only 160 reviews. We need more. We have 160 reviews. That's actually pretty good. Wow. We could. Thanks, do... everybody. That was great. We're trying thanks. to, thanks. That's thanks. Uh, we're so trying to feed that algorithm, but thank great. you if you have reviewed us. Um, yeah, but,
2: but do it again under a different name.
1: <laughs> we got more, more, more. The bumpers, like the themes, were done by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Thanks to producer Dustin Marshall for his unbridled authenticity. And check out other Feral Audio podcasts at FeralAudio.com.
2: Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Feral Audio.